Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Scoop. I'm your host, Sam Miller, and we are on episode four. So today's episode is a topic that I'm very excited to talk about. I think it's one that most people in general are going to find to be very interesting, and that topic is music. So we're discussing specifically music in the 21st century. So that is ranging from the year 2000, which was the year that I was born, to now. And for today's episode, I am with a guest. His name is Stephen Cox, and I will give him an introduction here in a little bit. But for today's episode, we're kind of just discussing, of course, music in the 21st century, but also kind of going into some more deeper topics of conversation, including the music industry, representation in the music industry, award shows, and also some more lighthearted stuff, such as our favorite albums, favorite music, best concerts, things of that nature. So before we hear from Steven, I'm going to give you a little bit more information about him. Steven is currently a full-time graduate student at the University of Indianapolis, where he'll receive his Master of Arts in Public Relations this summer. He also graduated from UND with his Bachelor of Arts in Theater in 2018. He loves all things pop culture, especially music. In his free time, he loves collecting vinyl records, hanging out with friends, visiting his grandparents in Gulf Shores, and playing with his dog, Rose. In a non-COVID world, going to concerts and drag shows. So without further ado, let's welcome Steven. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I am, you know what, I'm warm. I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing what's going on outside and I am just very grateful to be warm (laughs) (laughs) i feel you i haven't even opened my window today because i know that there's going to be a lot of snow you don't want to do it so today we're discussing music obviously music in the 21st century right and so of course 21st century is the year 2000 to now and so is there an artist in particular that you think has changed the game most in the 21st century Yeah. So before I answer that, I just have to get out of the way that most of my dialogue on my side anyway is going to be very female oriented. Um, One, I think we all have different tastes and different interests in music. But for me, women in the music industry are just constantly innovating and doing things just, I think, one step ahead of everybody else. So In regards to that, I can't think of anyone else other than Lady Gaga. I think Mm -hmm. she's the one person that I think if anyone thinks about, like, who's changing the game, who's doing something different, who's reinventing herself, I think everybody is naturally going to think of Lady Gaga pretty early on in answering that question. I have to agree, too. I think that was, like, the first person that came to my mind when I was writing that question, just because she's kind of had so many different eras. Right. We had, for starters, we had, like, the, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Oh, my gosh. The Fame and the Fame Monster. The Fame and the Fame Uh Monster. Born This Way era we had. What was after Born This Way? Was it Art Pop? Was Art Pop after Born This Way? I Maybe. I I feel like there was one in between, Maybe. Well, I know she did that cheek to cheek with Tony Bennett, but I I know yeah. a lot of people 
don't talk about that. Shame on them for that. But that's a totally different <laughs> discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she just had all these different eras in her music and she's just constantly changing the game. She's constantly raising the bar for only, not only herself, but also for the music industry. And so she's also the first person that comes to mind for me for that one too. Yeah. And I think with her, when it comes to her eras and what she's doing and when she's doing it, I really, like a lot of people, when she puts out new stuff, a lot of people are quick to criticize it and quick to judge it and quick to be like, this sounds weird. This is different. What are you doing? And then it doesn't take but two or three months for other artists to start following suit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like with Born This Way, it was very 80s rock anthems, pop, all infused. And people are like, what are you doing, Gaga? And then two months later, bam, you see it in other artists, especially with, I think, the one that she really missed the timing on. Um, and I don't even want to say miss the timing on, but Joanne, when she came out with Joanne, everybody was really quick to judge it, but it wasn't what three, four months later, all of these other artists doing folksy country pop music just came out of the woodworks and just mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. So we're okay with y'all doing it now. Gotcha. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for her music in particular, people are just so quick to be like, well, that's weird. I don't like it. But then when one of their favorites does it, then, oh, it's fine. It's cool. Yeah, it's trendy. Absolutely. Trendy. Get the, the yeah. Hashtag trendy. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of on the topic of like, we were talking, you're talking about like older, like eighties stuff, making an appearance in her music. So do you think that like, you've noticed like older trends making a reappearance, reappearance in music in like more recent music? Yeah, I often tell a lot of people that the best music was in the 80s or the 90s. I love 80s and 90s music. Um, and I think a lot of other people do too. And I think we see um, resurgences of different eras really popping in, in and out, um, especially in the 21st century. I think the most notable ones, so have to be disco, like disco era pop and mm -hmm. 80s era pop are really big when it comes to 21st century pop. Like the one I think about r right now, just within the past year is Dua Lipa and Future Nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Like that could have come out in the 70s and I would have been like, yeah, no, that's a 70s album for sure. And and it would have withstood this, you know, test of time. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, a zillennial, as I've, you know, called myself would be like wow how retro and amazing but that came out last year you know what I mean yeah and I think that that one came to mind too for me and also um the weekend his most yeah. recent stuff I've noticed a lot of like 80s pop yeah. trends like kind of in his music especially in like blinding lights yeah no he had a good year blinding lights was incredible that whole album was incredible I don't think we talk about it enough I know that I you know I just said earlier like I only like female artists and, and that's not true I primarily focus on female artists but when a guy comes out and does some you know innovative stuff like that and it's just harking back on historical references and capturing his experience as a black man while also creating like 80s dance bops like come on like you can't beat that Oh, I know. But I think, like, any musician, really, that comes out with, like, music that brings in older trends should be recognized for it, especially since, like, it's kind of more widely appreciated. 
because like I know like my dad one of his favorite songs is Blinding Lights and he hates everything from <laughs> this new era of music. Yeah, no. No, that's funny you mentioned that because I remember cuz I my mom still listens to Pandora and like no no I'm not <laughs> this isn't sponsored or anything. <laughs> I don't hate Pandora. I just I'm a Spotify user and I think a lot of people really like to like create and curate their own music things and you can't really do that with Pandora, right? Or at least I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. But my my mom, the first time she heard Blinding Lights, she created a whole new radio station just based off of Blinding Lights because she loved that song so much. And I and I think that's interesting that it really kind of you know, it can really hit a chord with multiple generations because of that nostalgic feel that it has, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So kind of still on the same topic, do you think a particular genre of music has had the ability to really grow in the 21st century in comparison to like genres that we've seen in like the 70s, 80s and 90s? Yeah. So, I mean, I think pop music in general is just always evolving and always changing. And there are so many sub genres of pop now because you can't just put it into one category anymore. Uh, I mean, like even last year, like when Taylor Swift did Folklore and Evermore, like it was really hard for us to be like, ah, that's pop music. So like, there's a subcategory for it, right? It's indie pop music. And, Mm -hmm. and even then you're just like, okay, but indie means independent and Taylor Swift is not independent. So can we really call it indie pop? And just having to really kind of figure out how do we actually categorize all of this stuff? I think pop music is constantly growing and constantly changing and constantly evolving. Um, So that's kind of in its own spectrum of genres that are growing with other genres i i i within the 21st century um i think have seen like dips and and high like you know highs and lows in which they've evolved like you see it make a resurgence and then it goes away and then it evolves into something else and i think you know rap rap and hip-hop really have an interesting place in the music industry because that one changes and evolves and becomes different things too. Like when I was in college five, six, seven years ago, trap music was all the rage. You couldn't go to a college party or club without hearing like, um, and this isn't my genre, so you'll have to help me out if you can't, but Betty (laughs) Wap was everywhere. And like, that was a different subgenre of what we knew as rap and hip hop that became trap music. And now you don't really hear that anymore. Like we really thought that was going to last a lot longer, I think, but it's not trending right now. It's not on the top 100. It's not what people are listening to. It's still there. It's just not on the radio anymore. And instead what's in its place is this kind of like mix of hip hop trap pop music like I think of Post Malone like he he's Mm -hmm. kind of rapping but he's also kind of singing and he's also kind of pop like doing ballads and stuff but he's also creating like faster paced more like that kind of music um one one genre that I that I think has not been growing that just really really bothers me is rock music um like we Mm -hmm. saw a huge trend of rock really kind of carry on from the 90s with the grunge and the punk movement and moving into the early 2000s early 21st century you know like like Nickelback and Daughtry uh I don't know like Kings of Leon Linkin Park like that kind of rock was really prevalent then and then it just kind of died um and you don't really see a whole lot of that 
anymore. And I really, I really think that's a shame because I think everything is derived from rock music. Like rock music is the foundation of music in general and everything else comes out of rock music. Yeah, I, I agree too. I think for rock, I was really excited because it seemed like Miley was going to start kind of getting more into that. And I think maybe she is, but Plastic Cards ended up being more pop. In my yeah, opinion, no, she rock. really teased us. She really, really teased us. <laughs> um, because it, it was more, um, what do you want to, it was crossover. It was really crossover um, mm-hmm. because the first couple of songs that she put out, I mean, her lead single, Midnight Sky, like that's obviously a pop song, harkens back to like 80s pop with those, you know, synthetic sounds and whatnot. But then she did that cover of Heart of Glass and she did Zombie. And I'm just like, girl, this is your shit. Like, do this. Do more of this. <laughs> and then the album came out. And don't get me wrong, I love that album. Um, that I think, honestly, that was my favorite album of 2020. Um, but again, mm. it was a crossover album. And we got we got a little bit of everything. Because, like, I think one song had a harmonica and a banjo. And I'm just like, I didn't realize Hannah Montana was making a reappearance here. Like, <laughs> but it was so good. It was so good because it really did harken back to some rock influence. But just not enough you know for me anyway yeah yeah I I agree I think what I consider to be maybe like the genre that has grown the most in the 21st century would probably be rap particularly in the area of like female rappers girl yeah so you so you have like Missy Elliott and Lil Kim kind of paving the way for like Nicki Minaj Megan Thee Stallion Cardi B and so like they just have kind of taken over like if you look at the charts it's megan the stallion megan the stallion megan the stallion yeah, nikki they're like it's just they're, they're taking they're, over they're present they're doing the damn thing and i'm so into it because i mean like i said earlier like rap is not my preferred genre i don't listen to it a lot but like when lizzo came on the scene a couple of years ago like i was all over that you know being you know mm-hmm. uh, a, a feminist you know being queer being being into to female empowerment in general like Lizzo said truth hurts and I said you're right you're so right it does hurt and like that that because I love you was like honestly I think will go down as one of the greatest records in the 21st century um I actually just got it on vinyl like a couple weeks ago and I've been spinning it so much because like reliving you know the summer of 2019 before 2020 happened like she was (laughs) my summer of 2019 you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, I I agree. I think her music is really something special. For sure. So do you think that 21st century, particularly that of the 2010s, has allowed for increased representation of POC and LGBTQIA plus artists? Yeah, you know, I think I do. But, you know, I'm the kind of person I'm never I'm never happy. I'm, I'm never feel settled. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we've still got a lot of work to do. Um, in terms of, you know, just within the past 10, 11, 12 years, again, like Lady Gaga, (laughs) I know I talk about her all the time, but like (laughs) just so many amazing things like her advocacy for the LGBT community. I mean, she wrote and like produced Born This Way 10 years ago. Like we just celebrated the 10th anniversary of Born This Way, which is literally one of the most iconic like LGBT anthems of all time. Um, And she's you know, I, she's queer herself. She, I think she's labeled herself bisexual in the past. I'm not really sure where she is on her journey of her sexuality. Cause you know, it's all fluid and it changes all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think she's really made 
a stamp on it. I also have to give way to the fact that like LGBT culture in general has made its way into pop culture. Um, aside from music, you know, you look at RuPaul and Drag Race and all that stuff, and the fact that that's mainstream now has really allowed for musicians to really speak up and be like, hey, I am queer, and this is my music. And there's been queer people in music for as long as, you know, we've had music, but to also Mm -hmm. identify as queer and that be a part of your identity, a part of your brand as a musician um, is something that I think we've seen a lot of within the past 10 years. I think of like Troy Sivan in particular, like he just came on the scene, what, four or five years ago, like had that summer bop. Um, oh, what was it called? My youth, youth, oh, youth. girl. Yeah. That song ignites <laughs> something in me, but like that entire album and then Bloom came out a few years later and it, and, and it's not just like, good pop music it's good pop music about you know a gay man's life experience which is something you don't hear a lot of like hearing sam smith when they use pronouns like he him to address the person like the lover in the song like that's a big monumental thing for lgbt people because i remember growing up and having to change the pronouns of things in songs that i liked because you know they didn't match what I wanted or how I felt about myself, you know what I mean? So that, mm-hmm. that is, I think, um, all notable. One, one person, one, one artist in particular that I think more recognition than she does is Janelle Monet. I think she, mm-hmm. as a queer black woman, like has a lot of a pl- like a big platform and a big voice for her very specific community and dirty computer like i honestly that was my favorite album of 2018 harkens on that experience as a black queer woman she created it for black queer women um and so yeah i think i think it's all there i think it's all happening um but it's not perfect yeah. you know Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it's gotten better, but there's obviously a lot more room to grow. And I think one of the things that I want to bring up that I think is kind of interesting is like, you've got drag queens on like national and international charts. Like that's something that like maybe even five, 10 years ago would have never happened. No. Or it would have been like under like a pen name or something. Exactly. It's crazy. I mean, even like Blair St. Clair, season 10, All-Stars 5, she's from Indianapolis. We love Blair. Like her latest record, like was so incredibly good. Like it could have been chart topping if more people had uh, the opportunity to listen to it, in my opinion. Like it was just so Mm. good. And like, I think there's, I think that's where LGBT representation can really grow. I I think drag queens in general, I I think, you know, when it comes to mainstream music, it's just that whole argument. I've heard it so many times before. It's just like, oh, like, it's just so weird to see a a woman on the cover art and then it it be a man's voice. And it's just like, shut up, shut up. It's literally music. It's good music. Just sit down and shut up and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So kind of like shifting gears, um, I kind of want to talk about award shows, specifically Mm -hmm. shows like the Grammys. Yeah. Um, So do you feel like they fairly or even logically award their nominees and winners? Or do you feel like they're kind of just like a sham? 
Oh, it's all over the place, isn't it? I mean, I love award shows for the pure entertainment of them. I mean, because, like, it's like the Super Bowl for music. And, like, the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl, we get a nice halftime show in the middle. But, like, with an award show, it's two hours of of a halftime show. And you get all (laughs) the biggest names in music performing. And, you know, half the time, like, they're people that we want to hear, want to listen to. Great. So I love award shows for that reason. Um, There are times when I get really annoyed with them because, again, I have my own implicit biases when it comes to music. I think Lady Gaga should win everything she's ever nominated for. Um, But sometimes she's not awarded all the things that I think she should be nominated, that she should win. And I have to remember that each award show... um, that we watch and I'm thinking of like the top three in my head are the billboards, the American music awards and the Grammys and the billboards and the American music awards. Those are, uh, those nominations and awards are based off of fan interactions. So what's on the charts, what are people streaming? What are people listening to? What are people buying? Um, and that's a big one. What are people actually physically or digitally buying? Um, Whereas Mm -hmm. the Grammys, the Recording Academy really controls that. And I understand the whole prestige of the Grammy Awards. I feel like if I were an artist and I were like recording music and putting things out there like a Grammy Award, I think that means you've made it. That again, it's like the Super Bowl of, of the music industry because you have to remember that the Recording Academy, they've got very strict standards of how they choose their nominees and how they uh, es- essentially choose the winners. And that's why there's always so much discourse over the the winners that do win because it's all objective. You have a panel of, in the Recording Academy choosing the winners and they're, they're going to choose something based off of, hopefully, hopefully based off of they're very strict standards, comparing it to the other nominees in each category, and then award it fairly. Sometimes, you know, I agree. A lot of the times I don't, but that's why you move over to the Billboards, American Music Awards, things that are based off of the actual fans. Who, who are they listening to? Who are they voting for? I think it's the American Music Awards is based off of actual votes. Like people can go online and vote. Um, for who they want to win. And then again, sometimes I get mad at that because I think everybody should want Chromatica to win everything, but it doesn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, yeah. it's all very objective and like, I, 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 I love it, but at the same time, I, I, get, I, can't, I can see why other people don't. I can see why people get, would get angry with some of the results and some of the, the nominees and the winners of some of these particular award shows. See, for me, I kind of, like, I can't really decide how I feel about it because in learning that, like, a lot of the fan-voted award shows, like, specifically the Teen Choice Awards, like, people can vote, but it it doesn't really matter because they've already decided. Right. And knowing that, it kind of, like, makes it unnerving. Right. Like, like yeah, I'm going to vote for my favorites, but is it, it doesn't really matter. And I know, like, for, like, the Grammys, um, Nicki Minaj talked about this, I think, maybe two years ago, that um, she was asked to perform at the Grammys, and the Grammys producer person basically was like, if you perform this song or this song, I will never, ever, ever nominate you for an award ever again. 
and she said, I don't care, and did it anyway, and so since then, she's kind of just been snubbed over and over and over again. Right. And look, I I will be the first to admit that that's wrong. That's not okay. And I mean, we see a lot of racism and we see a lot of sexism from the Grammys. And I I was actually on their website um, yesterday looking at everything. And, and whoever's in charge of marketing, PR, digital content, they are really trying to push forward their the Grammys push and advocacy for you know equality, equal rights, humanitarianism, all of that stuff. But it still doesn't always translate to what's actually happening with with the awards. Um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to race, especially when it comes to sex and gender. Um, we we know time and time again that white men just they get everything they could ever want and for barely doing anything they just put out another record like the one they put out two years ago and they get all the awards and all the nominations it's just like okay all right I guess we're doing this again mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's unfortunate and I think I, I think if what is being communicated from the recording academy actually is in the works and people are actively working towards and working for. I think the Grammys has a, a lot of progress it could make in the near future. Um, I, I think right now I, think we're, I, I see an upward trend of more female representation and more female, award, uh, female artists being awarded it's still not 50-50. Oh, well, in our country, it should be 51-49. Again, another story mm-hmm. for another day. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not exactly equal, but it's, it's trending upward, I think. And I, I feel a lot of hope. I feel a lot of hope for that. Um, I hope it gets better, especially for people of color, because their music like, is, is important is important. It's so, it's so, so important, not just be, not for the sake of representation, not for the sake of saying it's important, but because it's actually important. There's a lot of, a lot of emotional content and a lot of experiential content in their music that we just overlook because, oh, it makes us uncomfortable. Oh, it's not, I, I can't relate to it. Well, no shit, you can't relate to it. That's why you need to listen to it. That's why you need to celebrate mm-hmm. it. That's why you need to award it because it's innovative it's 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 you know uh, uh, emotionally driven and a lot of the things that get awarded are not always emotionally driven it's just the sake of putting out music for the sake of making money for the sake of making award winning awards you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i i think kind of in along those same lines like a lot of people are like oh well we should only award songs that are in English or that have English in oh, them no. and snub and snub like artists such as like um, Bad Bunny and like uh, Blackpink and BTS and artists like that mm-hmm. that are like insanely talented and have excellent music just for the sake of, oh, I can't understand what they're saying. Well, it doesn't matter. It's still a good song. I, I tell you what, it still sounds amazing. Like Bad Bunny's music is off the charts amazing like i love his music Pro- like he's the one i've been watching more than anyone within the last year because i just think you know lyrics aside and the fact that i'm not fluent in spanish it like i can look at the lyrics and then when i do like wow that 
that shit's impactful. But at the same time, it's like Latin music, I just think it hits different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, yeah, and now you've got yeah. even now you've got Selena Gomez. She's about to put out a Spanish album. She just released a Spanish single, what, two or three weeks ago? Two or three weeks ago? And now she's getting ready to put out a Spanish record. And, like, good for her. I'm glad that she's doing that. That's a big part of her yeah, identity. That's awesome. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's very new. It's very, very new. Cool. So, do you think about, like, the albums that were, like, released in, like, the last year? What, like, two or three albums stand out to you as the best and why? Good question. Let me pull up the notes on my phone because, you know, I write down everything. And I rank everything. I love ranking things. <laughs> to your list. Um, well, I already talked about Plastic Cards. Plastic Cards, I think, was my number one, definitely for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, aside from the big names, um, there was an album by Jesse Weir. I don't know if you're aware of Jesse Weir. She put out an album called mm-hmm. What's Your Pleasure? And you want to talk about a, a disco 70s album. That's it. That is it to the max. It was so good. Um, Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers I think was just exquisite and it, it was such an interesting thing to see it go mainstream because Phoebe is not a mainstream artist she's an underground independent folksy pop artist and you know I mean I had heard about her well before she 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 got notable you know attention last year uh, but she was even mentioned by mm-hmm. Barack Obama. Like, Barack Obama puts out, like, a list at the end of the year of music that he liked from the year before. And, like, she was on it. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. 44 is listening to Phoebe Bridgers? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those were some of my tops. Of course, I loved Chromatica. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. we could do a whole other pad- podcast on how I feel about Chromatica and work with her <laughs> other albums. But, um Oh, and oh, I forgot Haley Williams put out her first yeah. you know, solo album, Pedals for Armor, I think it was called. And it was um, very much pop rock crossover influence. It was, uh, oh my God, she and Miley Cyrus should collaborate. That would be amazing. Holy shit. Ooh, that'd be so good. I think for me, of course, like the favorites, Chromatica, uh, Future Nostalgia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plastic Hearts. Um, also, Trixie's new album that came out last year, Barbara. That is, that is so shit. good. I tell you what, I have been looking everywhere for that on vinyl because, you know, I collect. But it's hard to find in stores mm-hmm. that I like to buy local. So I think I might just have to pull it and just order it online or something. Um, but no, so good. And so that that's another era 60s influence we don't talk about 60s music a lot but that was a very 60s pop influenced album which i think was super interesting um but Mm -hmm. super innovative super good like oh gosh i yeah i'm probably gonna listen to that after this now (laughs) (laughs) i loved barbara and then um the single that she released of video games yeah that was wow oh my gosh so wrong the original by lana so good i you know i'm not the biggest lana stan and I, I, I kind of had a brief obsession with her back in high school, um, like we all did, right? But, like, yeah. um, <laughs> Trixie, like, that was just, that was some next-level work. Like, it's, a, it's one of those, it's like that TikTok trend, like, what's, 
one time where you thought a cover was better than the original like and i and i hate to be that person mm-hmm. but i really did think it was better than the original <laughs> i did i think she just gave so much life to that song that was like kind of missing yeah. almost like i love the original of that song but it just needed a bit more life and i think tracy definitely yeah, gave well, it if it's one thing what it can do it's bring life to something <laughs> <laughs> so again um kind of just like a little bit shifting gears. So if you could go see any concert from any artist who made an album in the last five years, who would oh, it be? in the last five years. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so I've seen a lot of people in concert. Um, so I'm trying to think of anybody that I haven't seen that I would want to. Um, honestly, I, I really would want to go see Miley. I think Miley would be a fun concert to see. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I've never seen Taylor. I've never seen Taylor in concert. And honestly, that is a crime. That is a crime against humanity <laughs> that I haven't seen Taylor Swift in concert. Um, I mean, when she released Lover, like me and my friends, we had every intention of going to wherever we needed to go to to see see her perform and, and tour. I know she was not going to do like a full tour or whatever, but we were going to go see that and then COVID happened. But yeah, within the last five years, I'd probably have to say Taylor just because... She's just doing so many cool things. I, I think I'd have to agree. I think her she'd put on like a really good show. Um, for me, I I would really like to go see Gaga. Have you never seen Gaga? Which oh, I've never girl. seen Gaga. I want to go to that Chromatica Bowl. Oh my so gosh, when she bad. does it, it's gonna be oh something. God. I went. I I I got the chance to see her. Me and my friend Aaron went and saw her back in November of 2017 for the Joanne World Tour. And, you know, oh, okay. that concert was, I mean, I follow her on, like, everything. And I've seen all the bootlegs of her other balls and stuff. And that concert, even as different as it was compared to her other tours, was still so incredibly electrifying. I, there was, there was just something so, compared to every other concert I've been to, and I've been to a lot, that one, for some reason, just holds a lot of impact because... Everything from the set list to the costumes to the dancing to the live vocals the whole time. Um, the set even, like her, like she had these bridges that came down from the ceiling that she walked over the audience to and from each state. It was crazy amazing. But I think <laughs> at the end of the day, it was just, I don't know how she does it. I think she's a witch. <laughs> but I felt like I was the only one in that room. You know, I felt like it was just me and her mm-hmm. having an intimate conversation in her living room. But she had like hundreds of dancers and costumes and everything at the same time. It was it was magical. So yes, when she does tour again, Sam, you gotta go. You gotta go do that. Like that is <laughs> one of the ultimate experiences, I think. I would I would say Gaga and then also I'm trying to think of my other person. Maybe and like this is kind of like genericy, but Harry Styles. I love Fine, Fine Line. Line. Why didn't we talk about Fine Line? Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> so yes, I saw I saw Harry too back in 2018 when he was touring his first self self-titled album. And that concert was really 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 good. Um, and also, like, it was one of those surprise concerts that I had not planned on going to. We just happened to get tickets out of nowhere, and then we were there that night. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Fine Line was 
so good. He's another one of those male artists where I'm just like, okay, you're different. You're cool. You're doing something, something worthy of being heard. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I like I when, I when One Direction was a thing. I wasn't like the biggest oh, no, One neither. Direction fan, and I know that that's gonna raise some eyebrows. Well, it's a podcast, so they but... can't see me, and I can't see them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just wasn't, like, that into One Direction. Like, I'd listen to him, like, if it was on the radio. But I really love Harry's solo stuff. I just think it's really, yeah. really, no, really he's, good. He's, he's very entertaining. So if you get the chance, you should totally do that, too. So it wouldn't be a music episode, especially not at this time, if we did not talk about Britney Spears, the free Britney movement that is going on. Oh, so, for sure. So what are kind of your thoughts on Britney Spears? Do you love her music? Her? What do you think? You know, I, I think it's... I think people who don't like Britney Spears are... I don't want to be mean, but I think they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, like, I mean, you don't have to like her as a person. You don't even, you don't even have to, to recognize, you know the troubles that she's gone through, you know, within the past few years and talking about the free Britney movement and all that. Her music, it's iconic. It is top tier pop music. Um, it is top tier dance music. And like, you talk about a career, like she's been at it. I mean, well, she's been active and performing since she was a kid, but like her debut album was, I think in 1999. And mm-hmm. I and I still listen to that album on a regular basis. I have my original CD in my car, and I every now and then I'll pop it in when I when I'm just feeling like I need a Britney moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think she's iconic. I love her music. It's, I mean, you know, before the conservatorship, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But before the conservatorship, you know, those first four or five albums like really shaped the game for pop music. I think. Absolutely. I, I love Britney. I remember when I was like a little kid, like we would have, I can't think of what the album was. It's the one that has Toxic on it. In the Zone. We'd listen to that one in the car all the time. Yeah. Iconic. And you know, oh a lot gosh. of, you know, a lot of big name music people, like I think Rolling Stones has put, put articles out about it, but like In the Zone, um, I think is her fourth studio album. Mm-hmm. I think yeah yes it's her fourth studio album but a lot of people attribute that as like the perfect pop album and and like I said that, that album I think really shaped a lot of the way writers and songwriters producers and singers really kind of followed suit in in pop music after that mm-hmm. absolutely so I think maybe first before we get into like more modern stuff, everybody knows about what has been considered Britney's like mental breakdown when she right. shaved her head, paparazzi's bombarded her as she was getting into the limousine. And we also had the Chris Crocker. Yeah, leave Britney, leave Britney alone. Leave Britney alone. Oh, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> And so a lot of people now are bringing that back up. They were like, that was kind of the start of when things started to go downhill. So do you agree with that? Or do you think 
it was maybe before then. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you got the chance to watch the documentary that's been trending on Hulu that the New York Times did. Um, but, you know, it was really interesting to watch as a 20-something-year-old who, like, my entire life has been, you know, you know I've, I've seen Britney's entire career my entire life, you know, from a young person to an adult now. And so seeing it be retold, her story be retold in the context of everything that's been going down was really eye-opening because I grew up in a really conservative town. Um, I did not share a lot of my interests when I was younger just because I knew that it would be seen as weird, wrong, uh, even sinful. So when the whole Britney breakdown happened, we like to call it, um, I remember feeling so bad about it because I wanted to know more about what was going on, but I felt shamed having any sympathy for her. Like I, I felt very conditioned to be like, Britney's crazy and she's canceled and we're not paying attention to her anymore. But there was just something, mm -hmm. something that I felt was going on and I just never was able to figure it out. So, you know, going back, seeing the images and the videos and, you know, this is what was going on in her life. Like she was, she was trying to see her children and her, her ex was not letting her see her children. That's why she got upset with the paparazzi because they kept badgering her about why he wouldn't let her see her children. And when you think about it that way, it's just like, well, yeah, any good mother would get so fed up with somebody who wouldn't let them see her children, especially if she has no, no reason not to see her children. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, the conservatorship happens and stuff like that. So I think there's just a lot of, and especially... In, just in pop culture in general and celebrity status and whatnot, there's a lack of empathy and sympathy from common folk like you and me um, a lot of the time. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they saw, like, those pictures were very quick to just be like, what's wrong with her? Like, she's nuts. Like, we need to lock her up. Instead of being like, oh, okay, something's, like, actually wrong and we need to, like, help Brittany instead of just being like, she's crazy. You know, Get her you know to shut really up. crazy. I just remembered this. So a couple years ago, um, I have an aunt who lives in Palm Springs in Southern California. And mm -hmm. I was vacationing, visiting her for about a week early in May. And we took a day trip to L.A. and did one of those um, bus tours with uh you know just those random people that are handing out like you know tickets and things like that and we we did a tour mm -hmm. of LA and went to like different celebrity homes and we passed Britney's home and everything um but when we were passing Britney's home uh the tour guide who's driving the bus uh, mentioned that before being a tour guide for the company that he was working for he used to be a member of the paparazzi and um, when I was watching the documentary a couple days ago, I realized he was one of the interviewees in the documentary. Um, I recognized him. He's the one who took that infamous photo of, of oh Brittany uh, jamming an umbrella into a car. And it was his vehicle that she was hitting. But he took that photo and he's the one who sold it. 
And that was just so bizarre for me because I'm just like, look, I, I think you, I think paparazzi in general is come of the earth. Like I understand their job, but I also understand that there are ethical ways to do it. And so I'm just like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that I paid you money to show me around LA knowing what I know now, you know? Exactly. It's really crazy. It's crazy. So around mm, like 2000, I want to say maybe nine or 10 was the conservatorship. And a lot of people, I don't, I don't think people actually realize what was going on with that until like more recently. Well, because a lot of people, a lot of people in general are very uneducated. <laughs> they don't look things up. They don't research things. Mm-hmm. So when people were saying, Absolutely. you know, like, oh, like, Brittany's not doing well, and her dad is going to have a conservatorship over her to make sure she's okay. Nobody questioned that, because the general consensus was Brittany needs help. And we thought, well, who better than her father? And we didn't know her father was a bad guy. Like, even looking back now, like all his, all her father has ever been concerned about is money. And so we were just, and we, but we didn't know that. We were just like, yeah, you know, Brittany's dad, Brittany's parents should take care of her in this time that she needs help. And then 10 years yeah. later, we see everything that's going on. We're just like, wow, we really just, as a public who love Brittany, we're her fans. We listen to her. We celebrate her. We didn't, we didn't know. We were, we were duped into thinking that this was okay. Absolutely. And I, I think, too, social media kind of helped bring more light yeah. to the fact that there is some crazy stuff yeah. happening. And I think one of the things that I want to mention is um, her Instagram. Yeah. So she was – people were like, what is Brittany doing? So she would post videos of her kind of like dancing around in her, I would assume like a living mm-hmm. room area with like these just obscure captions. And people were like, is she like writing in code? Like what is going on? And so people would comment like, if you're in danger, wear red in your next video. And her next video she'd have on red. And so people were like, is she just playing with us? Like what is going yeah. on? No, it was wild. And, and you know, again, we as a public, we, we, we resort to poking fun, making fun, all of that stuff. So when all of that was going down, you know, we'd see like this obscure video of Brittany dancing in her living room or posting a stock photo of tacos, you know, just like, uh, Brittany's still not well, Brittany's still crazy, Brittany, blah, 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 blah. And in reality, like, you know, I, I forget the name of the people who did it. They, they have their own podcast and it's been trending because of it but um you know they were like no this is this is more than just britney being weird because like britney's never been crazy britney's never been unstable like she's a smart intelligent Mm -hmm. you know person and i think a lot of people took advantage of the fact that she had a a moment of lapse and and a breakdown of just put her off as a stupid blonde pop star and she's not that, you know. So the people who mm-hmm. dug into it and really were just like, no, we think Britney's in danger. And then for her to inadvertently confirm that so many different times. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, too, um, 
there's a girl on TikTok who, I guess she used to be a driver for Britney or like a hair and makeup artist or something like very Mm -hmm. close to Britney. And um, she would be like in the room alone with Britney and Britney would try to like tell her stuff and like her dad or whoever was in charge of her that day would be like, now don't listen to anything that she says, Brittany, you need to just focus on you. Don't be looking at anybody else. Don't talk to anybody else. And she would talk about like her kids with her and that lady would just be like super uncomfortable because she knew that she was instructed to not talk to Brittany. Yeah. that And that's so bizarre because like, I mean, artists, like, especially pop artists, they're people, people. Like they don't go into the into the mm-hmm. job that they're doing if they're antisocial. They they love being with people. They love entertaining people. They lo- they love engaging with people, even on that minuscule level. Like outside of doing arena tours and performing in front of seventy thousand people each night, they they form they're regular people that form relationships with the people that they work with, with their colleagues, with their assistants, with their artists, and and anybody would 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 be uncomfortable being told not to interact with an artist you know i i mean obviously there mm-hmm. are other cases of other people being rude and and diva-ish and standoffish but those are as common as i think a lot of people think and that's not the kind of personality britney's ever been britney loves her fans britney loves the people she works with and she she forms relationships with people very easily. That's the kind of people person she is. I'm pretty sure she's a Sagittarius, which makes sense. <laughs> like she's very <laughs> oriented. Yeah, and like in her early stuff, like you can tell, like that that that's who she is. She's not some stuck up I'm famous and so you don't get right. the right to talk to me kind of person. Like she's very personal and loves to talk to people. And so with that new documentary that's come out, which I have not watched yet. It's not very long. It's a little over an hour, but it's really interesting and really, and it pieces everything together. Like it starts at the beginning and goes up till now. So do you think like it tells like the whole story? Or do you think like it, there's still more to be um, discovered? I think it skims the whole story. I think there are lots of maybe more gruesome details that we do not know because, um, the New York Times, they're the ones who produced and created this documentary, part of their series. Um, they said at the end of their, their document, like, you know, Brittany was not a part of this project and neither was her father or her family in any way except for her brother. Because they weren't involved, there's a lot of details missing, but more of the, mm-hmm. like, what we as a public can know about the situation and are allowed to know about the situation, it's in there. Things that we didn't know before, not because it wasn't made public, but because it just wasn't being promoted by certain media outlets. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's a good way to piece a lot of the things together and to see it in a more holistic fashion rather than trying to make sense of it on your own. Um, but again, I think it was last, this past Thursday, they had a hearing in which... Um, the judge uh, did not grant her dad conservatorship over her 
um, estate and finances anymore. And that was like a big deal because that was the last mm-hmm. thing that he really was holding on to in this conservatorship. And, and it's in the process, I think, of being transferred to another person. I think a financial institution like a bank or something is actually going to start taking care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, that's not in the documentary because that's a new new installment of the whole story. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think there's pieces missing, but I think there are pieces that only Brittany and her family have. I know um, there was talk on social media and I don't, of course, I don't right. know how true any of this is, but people were saying that like her family was trying to get a lobotomy on her. Girl. And if you go to her Instagram, she follows an account called lobotomies. And so people were very, very, very skeptical of is this true? Is this like confirming that like this is going to be taking place or is she like sending us a message? Yeah, no, I actually had not heard about that. That is news to me. My gosh. Like we were saying has kind of given people more of an opportunity to see like, oh snap, like things are actually like not good. Instead of just automatically being like, oh, well, it's just crazy Brittany again. Yeah, exactly. Well, it has been great talking to you today. I think we had a really good conversation. Yeah, thanks and... for having me. I had a good time. So this has been a really great episode with a lot of excellent discussion and conversation. And I think we raised a lot of really interesting points in today's episode. So if you would like to support the show on social media, you can follow us on We're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on, you name it, we're on it, at the Scoop W Sam. We just made a YouTube channel where we're posting some episode material on there, and you can find us at the Scoop with Sam Miller. Hopefully, once COVID kind of chills out a little bit, I'm hoping to get my own space for this podcast so I can do video recordings of these episodes to post on YouTube. But for right now, I'm just kind of posting episode teasers and other supplemental episode material. So if you'd like to go subscribe to us, that would be awesome. If you'd like to support us beyond listenership, we have a nonprofit merch store. We have everything under the sun on there and sizes ranging from kids sizes all the way up to 5X. So a little bit of something for everyone. And I think that's it for today's episode. So hope to see you all back here next time. Yay!